Welcome to Memory and Top 40 Music, where we revisit the top of the pop charts through the eyes of history. I'm Spoken Joe Williams. On Memory and Top 40 Music, we go back in time together, using the Billboard charts to tell a few stories about the songs and the artists, and hopefully strike up a memory or two, but also with an eye on what else was going on when these songs were hits. We're doing something a bit different this time, dedicating this special episode to the memory of Tom Petty. To do a show dedicated to a single artist is a variation from the format established in our first two episodes of Memory and Top 40 Music. The idea for this Tom Petty episode was suggested by John in South Carolina. It sounded like a good one, as long as we approached it in the same vein of what Memory and Top 40 Music is about. So, rather than attempting to be a full career retrospective of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, we'll focus predominantly on their Top 40 success. As was announced by Tony Dimitriades, longtime manager of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, on October 2, 2017, on behalf of the Tom Petty family, we are devastated to announce the untimely death of our father, husband, brother, leader, and friend, Tom Petty. He suffered cardiac arrest at his home in Malibu in the early hours of this morning and was taken to UCLA Medical Center but could not be revived. He died peacefully at 8.40 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, surrounded by family, his bandmates, and friends. Tom Petty died just a few weeks short of his 67th birthday. He left behind a powerful legacy of the music from his 40-plus year rock and roll career. News of Tom Petty's death was stunning to many of us. He had just wrapped up a five-month 40th anniversary tour, including three dates at the Hollywood Bowl, the last of those just a week before his death. And he was just on our televisions, as he made frequent appearances in the HBO documentary The Defiant Ones, which aired over the summer. The fact that Tom's death came the night after the horrific shooting at the Las Vegas Route 91 Harvest Country Music Festival probably further helped to rock us off balance. In between the conclusion of what turned out to be the final show on his final tour on September 25th and his death on October 2nd, Petty sat for an interview with Randy Lewis of the Los Angeles Times. The article Lewis wrote from that interview was published on October 4th, right after Petty died. Look it up online. The article is recommended reading. In the interview, Petty talked about getting older and what might become of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers if one of them couldn't go on due to sickness or death. And there was no talk of retirement, as doing what they did kept Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers feeling young. This is Joe Williams, and you're listening to Memory and Top 40 Music, and this is our special episode on the late Tom Petty. Gainesville, Florida, October 20th, 1950. Tom Petty is born. Tom's early rock music career aspirations were inspired by two pretty fair role models. The first was Elvis Presley, whom Petty met when he was 11 on the set of one of Elvis Presley's movies, Follow That Dream. The second occurred about two and a half years later when Petty, along with a few million other teenagers, saw the Beatles on The Ed Sullivan Show. He said that's what interested him in being in a band. A few years later, when he was 17, Tom Petty dropped out of high school to focus on his new band. His bands were the Sundowners, the Epics, and Mudcrutch. Mudcrutch became the springboard for the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty and Tom Ledden formed Mudcrutch in 1970. The two had played together in the Epics. Tom Ledden is the brother of Bernie Ledden, 
co-founder and lead guitarist of the Eagles in the 1970s. Mudcrutch lasted until 1975, releasing one non-charting record, Depot Street. After Mudcrutch disbanded, Tom Petty, Mike Campbell, Ben Montench, Stan Lynch, and Ron Blair formed the Heartbreakers in 1976. But Petty was the frontman, and the band assumed the name Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Their first album, self-titled Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, was released in November 1976. It finally earned some chart success after a well-received tour of Britain. And from the album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers had their first top 40 hit, Breakdown. While Breakdown spent 27 weeks on the Hot 100, it made only a brief one-week appearance in the top 40, at number 40, on February 18, 1978. It took 16 weeks to get there. Two weeks later, it was gone from the Hot 100. Though it didn't make the top 40, a song that is equally well-known from that initial album is American Girl, a popular song on classic rock radio even today. In September 1979, a group advocating against nuclear energy formed under the name Musicians United for Safe Energy, following the Three Mile Island nuclear accident in Pennsylvania. It organized a series of concerts in New York at Madison Square Garden, commonly known as the No Nukes Concerts. Tom Petty performed at No Nukes, in addition to Jackson Brown, Bruce Springsteen, Crosby, Stills & Nash, James Taylor, the Doobie Brothers, Shaka Khan, Carly Simon, and others. The Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers performance of Cry to Me was included on the No Nukes album. A few months later, in December 1979, Tom Petty made his second Top 40 appearance with Don't Do Me Like That from the album Damn the Torpedoes. Don't Do Me Like That spent 13 weeks in the Top 40, peaking at number 10 for two weeks in February 1980. Damn the Torpedoes was the group's third album and easily their most successful to that time, going platinum and selling 2 million copies, and reaching the number 2 spot on the album chart. By this time, Petty was working with producer Jimmy Iovine, who was one of the primary subjects of HBO's The Defiant Ones. The song Refugee became the second top 40 hit from this same album when it entered the top 40 on February 9, 1980. At the time Refugee entered the top 40, Don't Do Me Like That was at its peak position of number 10. Refugee would go on to spend 10 weeks in the top 40, reaching as high as number 15 for two weeks in March. A year later, Tom Petty was back on the charts with The Waiting, this from the album Hard Promises, which hit number 5 on the album chart. The Waiting spent seven weeks in the top 40, topping out at number 19 for two weeks in June 1981. Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac, then girlfriend of producer Jimmy Iovine, appeared on the Hard Promises album, performing a duet with Petty on the song Insider. That started a long friendship and collaboration, which would last until Petty's death. In 1981, Nicks released her debut solo album Belladonna. On that album was Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which became a huge hit single for Nicks. The song was written by Tom Petty and fellow heartbreaker Mike Campbell. I thought it was pretty amusing to hear both Iovine and Petty tell their stories in The Defiant Ones of how Stop Dragging My Heart Around ended up on Stevie Nicks' album. Petty lent his vocals to the recording and, in fact, the Heartbreakers played on the song. Stop Dragging My Heart Around made Nicks a genuine solo star, as it spent 16 weeks in the top 40, including six weeks at number three. 
Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie was the number one song for each of those six weeks that Stop Dragging My Heart Around spent at number three. Interestingly, three different songs jumped in with appearances at the number two position during those six weeks. Slow Hand by the Pointer Sisters for two weeks, Queen of Hearts by Juice Newton for two weeks, and Arthur's Theme, Best That You Can Do by Christopher Cross for the final two of those six weeks. Stevie Nicks appeared in London's Hyde Park in July 2017, where Petty and the Heartbreakers were doing a show in front of a crowd of 60,000 fans. Nicks performed Stop Dragging My Heart Around with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It would be the last time she saw Tom Petty. In this special episode of Memory and Top 40 Music, we're going to do something else special. We're going to do two installments of Memory Jogger. The first pays tribute to Fats Domino. Fats Domino was a singer, songwriter, piano player, and a major star, especially in the late 50s and early 60s. And on October 24, 2017, Fats Domino passed away at the age of 89. Antoine Domino Jr. was born in New Orleans in 1928, the youngest of eight children. In 1949, Fats Domino signed on with Imperial Records. His road manager, Bill Diamond, bestowed the nickname Fats on Domino, and it was one that stuck. Fats was working with a producer named Dave Bartholomew, who had also been a band leader and a trumpet player. Domino and Bartholomew co-wrote the song The Fat Man, which became Domino's first hit, attaining the number two spot on the Rhythm and Blues chart. The belief is that The Fat Man was the first rock and roll song with record sales in excess of one million copies. The first song by Fats Domino to score on the pop charts was Ain't That a Shame. Ain't That a Shame reached number 13 on the Jukebox chart and number 8 on the Best Sellers chart, but remarkably only spent one week in the Hot 100. His signature song, Blueberry Hill, was released in 1956 and became his biggest hit. Fats Domino placed an astounding 35 songs in the top 40 between 1956 and 1963. Eight of those reached the top 10, with Blueberry Hill, his highest-charting song, reaching number four in December 1956. It spent 21 weeks in the top 40, 14 of those weeks in the top 10. I'm in Love Again in July 1956, and I'm Walkin' in April 1957 each made it to number five. I'm in Love Again lasted 18 weeks in the top 40, seven of those in the top 10. I'm Walkin' spent 14 weeks in the top 40, and another 11 on top of that in the Hot 100. Once the British invasion began, Fats Domino's chart success was concluded. Domino continued to record and to perform live. He met the Beatles, and Paul McCartney said that Domino's style was the inspiration for his approach to the song Lady Madonna, a song which Domino himself later recorded and which he placed in the Hot 100 for two weeks. It was Domino's final Hot 100 hit. Domino was the subject of a 2015 documentary, The Big Beat, Fats Domino and the Birth of Rock and Roll. He was part of the first class of inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. The next year, he received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. In 1998, Domino was awarded the National Medal of Arts, and then in 2004, he was ranked at number 25 on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. In 2005, Domino's home was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, and he and his family were rescued by a Coast Guard helicopter. 
In January 2007, Domino was honored with Offbeat Magazine's Lifetime Achievement Award at the annual Best of the Beat Awards, held at the House of Blues in New Orleans. The mayor of New Orleans declared that day Fats Domino Day in New Orleans. A Fats Domino tribute album, Going Home, a tribute to Fats Domino, was released later in 2007. Other than John Lennon's cut of Ain't That a Shame from his 1975 album Rock and Roll, the tribute album contained all newly recorded versions of Domino's hits by stars like Elton John, Paul McCartney, Randy Newman, Neil Young, Robert Plant, Nora Jones, Willie Nelson, Bruce Hornsby, Herbie Hancock, and the list goes on. Also on the album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers performing I'm Walkin'. Fats Domino died on October 24, 2017. As his family posted the next day on the singer's website, we are all touched by the outpouring of love and tribute for our father. He passed away peacefully at home, surrounded by those he loved and those who loved him. His music reached across all boundaries and carried him to all corners of the world. Fats Domino, thanks for the boogie-woogie piano playing, your smile, the music, and the memories. I'm Joe Williams. Now back to our special Tom Petty Memory and Top 40 Music episode. The Heartbreakers experienced their first personnel change with 1982's Long After Dark LP. Note for the young listeners, the term LP was shorthand for a long-playing record or an album. Bassist Ron Blair departed and was replaced by Howie Epstein. Epstein had been with Del Shannon's band prior to joining the Heartbreakers. By the way, Ron Blair's sister Janice was married to Greg Allman. That was prior to Allman's more headline-grabbing, very brief marriage to Cher. And while we're at it, Epstein was engaged to, but never married, country singer Carlene Carter, who was the daughter of June Carter and stepdaughter of Johnny Cash. Twenty years after leaving the Heartbreakers, Ron Blair would return and replace Epstein, the man who replaced him. Following Blair's 1982 departure, the band's lineup would remain stable until drummer Stan Lynch left the Heartbreakers in 1994 and was replaced by Steve Ferroni. The album Long After Dark featured two top 40 hits, You Got Lucky and Change of Heart. You Got Lucky was released in November 1982 and reached the top 40 in the first week of December. It reached number 20, where it stayed for three weeks during its 11-week top 40 run. Change of Heart had a briefer run. It spent seven weeks in the top 40, three of those at its peak of number 21 in April 1983. In March 1985, the Heartbreakers released their next album, Southern Accents. The album featured the hit single, Don't Come Around Here No More, which was written by Petty and Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics. Don't Come Around Here No More spent nine weeks in the top 40. It climbed to number 13 in May of 1985. It was the video for Don't Come Around Here No More that played on the imagery of Alice in Wonderland with Petty dressed as the Mad Hatter in the video. The video won the MTV Video Music Award for Best Visual Effects in a Video. In the summer of 1985, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers participated in Live Aid, playing four songs at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Live Aid was the huge benefit concert for Ethiopian famine relief, with major acts appearing throughout the day either at Wembley Stadium in London or at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. In November of that year, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers released a live album, and from that album came a minor top 40 hit, Needles and Pins. 
This was the same song which was a hit for the Searchers in 1964. On this recording, Tom Petty was joined by Stevie Nicks, and the song was in the top 40 for two weeks in March 1986. Here's something I didn't know. Sonny Bono was a co-writer of the song Needles and Pins. And you see, we've now managed to mention both Sonny and Cher in this show. Meanwhile, Bob Dylan asked Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers to accompany him on Dylan's True Confessions Tour in 1986 and 87, traveling through the U.S., Australia, Japan, and Europe, which they, of course, did. I want to pause here for a moment and send out our best wishes to one of the most legendary DJs of all time, Harry Harrison. If you lived in Peoria, Illinois in the mid to late 50s, or in the New York metropolitan area at any time between 1959 and 2003, you knew Harry Harrison. Harry was the morning mayor of Peoria on WPEO. Then he made the jump to New York and WMCA, where he did the midday show as one of the station's famed good guys. In 1968, Harry moved to WABC to man the morning show when Herb Oscar Anderson left the station. Harry woke up millions of New Yorkers on top-rated 77 WABC for the next 11 years. Harry was as standard a part of my morning as my bowl of Wheaties. In fact, I had the thrill of meeting Harry a couple of times during these years. As WABC was in the process of moving to its current all-talk format, at the time when AM radio was being squeezed by the rising star of FM radio, Harry joined WCBS-FM in March of 1980 in his customary morning slot, a role he filled gloriously for the next 23 years, giving additional generations of listeners the gift of his friendship and kindness. Harry's been under the weather lately, so please join me in sending along prayers and best wishes for a full and speedy recovery. Thanks, Harry. We're wishing you the very best, because that's exactly what you deserve. Turning our attention back now to Tom Petty, Tom Petty's next turn in the top 40 came in May 1987 with the song Jammin' Me from the album Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. Jammin' Me had a six-week top 40 run, getting as high as number 18 the week of June 20th, 1987. Jammin' Me was written by Petty, fellow heartbreaker Mike Campbell, and Bob Dylan. In 1989, Tom Petty released his first solo album, Full Moon Fever. Most of the Heartbreakers contributed to the album, with the exception being drummer Stan Lynch. The album was a number three smash for Petty and included three big hit singles, I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, and Free Fallen. I Won't Back Down enjoyed nine weeks in the top 40, reaching number 12 in July 1989. Running Down a Dream was in the top 40 for seven weeks, getting up to number 23 in September. And Free Fallen, well, that became the biggest hit single of Petty's career, reaching number seven for two weeks in early 1990 as part of its 12-week run in the top 40. All three of these songs were co-written by Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne, with Mike Campbell also getting writing credit on Running Down a Dream. And just to be clear, Free Fallen was the biggest hit of Petty's career. Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which spent six weeks at number three in 1981, was a Stevie Nicks release though Petty wrote it and sang on it with Nicks. I Won't Back Down featured Petty plus Campbell and Epstein from the Heartbreakers, in addition to Jeff Lynne and, on acoustic guitar and backing vocals, was George Harrison. That said, this seems like a good time for our second installment of Memory Jogger. 
This installment of Memory Jogger gives us a chance to talk about the traveling Wilburys. Jeff Lynn and George Harrison were working together in early 1987 when Lynn was producing Harrison's Cloud Nine album. Cloud Nine was Harrison's first album in five years and would become his first platinum album since All Things Must Pass, recorded and released in 1970. The two became friends with Petty later that year when Petty was in Europe on that Dylan tour. Now, according to Mo Osten, chairman emeritus of Warner Brothers Records, in the middle of 1988, the record company's international department had asked George Harrison to come up with a B-side for the single This Is Love from Cloud Nine. This was at a time when many B-sides no longer came from the album, but rather were new songs that would drive additional sales. Harrison ended up working on this B-side with Jeff Lynne, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, and Tom Petty in Dylan's Garage. When he turned in the song, Mo Osten and Warner Brothers A&R head Lenny Warrenker felt the song would be wasted as a B-side and wanted to know if it could be turned somehow into an album. What song was it? Handle with Care. Harrison reassembled this crew of rock superstars and they created the classic album Traveling Wilburys Volume 1. Where did the name Wilburys come from? Harrison and Lynn, back during the recording of Cloud Nine, had begun calling recording errors as a result of equipment issues Wilburyums, as in, we'll bury the errors in the mix of the final recording so no one will be the wiser. In time, that became simply Wilburys. The group's name originally was going to be Trembling Wilburys, but Jeff Lynn suggested Traveling Wilburys instead. And when the gang got together, they laid their egos and histories at the proverbial door and assumed new identities as members of the Wilbury family. Harrison was Nelson Wilbury. Lynn became Otis Wilbury. Orbison assumed the identity of Lefty Wilbury. Dylan was Lucky Wilbury. And Tom Petty, Charlie T. Wilbury Jr. The album was a big success, going triple platinum in the U.S. and resulting in two popular singles, Handle With Care and End of the Line. Though surprisingly, neither song made it into the top 40. Handle With Care lasted 14 weeks in the Hot 100, getting as high as number 45 in December 1988, though it was a top 10 hit in Australia and New Zealand and reached number 21 in Britain. I remember hearing Handle With Care for the first time. I was driving and had the car radio on. It was actually a startling moment to hear that collection of voices on the same song. I don't recall being aware of the creation of the Traveling Wilburys at the time, and when the DJ announced the group's name, I was confused. What? Who? But I heard Harrison. Orbison. That sounded like Petty and Dylan on the chorus. And then I couldn't wait to hear it again, and again. Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 won a Grammy for the best rock performance by a duo or group. The album was also nominated for Album of the Year. It earned the Traveling Wilburys a nomination as favorite pop rock new artist at the American Music Awards. Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 was ranked as the number 8 album of the year for 1989 by Billboard magazine. However, in December 1988, Roy Orbison died suddenly from a heart attack. End of the Line was released as a single two months after Orbison's death. If you've seen the music video for the song, you'll recall seeing Roy Orbison's guitar rocking in a chair as his surviving bandmates played the song. In October 1990, the guys released their second album, Traveling Wilburys Volume 3. I'll pause for a moment to let that sink in. According to Mo Oslin, Harrison gave the second album its Volume 3 title 
perhaps due to the bootleg Wilberry's album that had appeared and stood in unofficially as a Volume 2. By the way, everyone assumed different Wilberry identities for the Volume 3 album, with Tom Petty being Muddy Wilberry. It's remarkable, but wonderfully so, how the Traveling Wilburys have remained so well-loved. The Traveling Wilburys, the feature of this installment of Memory Jogger. I'm Joe Williams on Memory and Top 40 Music. Getting back now to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, they were back in the studio as a unit for 1991's Into the Great Wide Open. The next song Petty placed in the Top 40 came from this album, a song called Learning to Fly. It had a four-week run in the Top 40, getting up to number 28 in August of 1991. Three years would go by before Petty and the Heartbreakers appeared again in the Top 40. That would be with Mary Jane's Last Dance, a single off their Greatest Hits release. Mary Jane's Last Dance made it into the Top 40 in its 10th week in the Hot 100. It then spent 10 weeks in the Top 40, peaking at number 14 for two weeks in March of 1994. The video for the song was the winner of the Best Male Video at the MTV Video Music Awards in 1994, and it featured Petty playing the role of a morgue assistant, with Kim Basinger playing a corpse in the video. It was Petty's second solo album, Wildflowers, which produced his last Top 40 song on the pop charts, You Don't Know How It Feels. The song was released towards the end of 1994, and peaked at number 13 in February 1995 in the midst of a 17-week Top 40 run. Though it was Petty's last Top 40 hit song, You Don't Know How It Feels, ironically, spent more weeks in the Top 40 than any of his other hits. And though the Top 40 hits came to an end, Tom Petty would continue to be a musical force. In addition to the memories these great Tom Petty songs bring back, Let's see what was going on in the world in February 1978, when Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers made their first appearance in the Top 40 with Breakdown. Jimmy Carter was President of the United States. Egyptian President Anwar Sadat was in Washington to discuss the Middle East peace process with President Carter. Harriet Tubman appeared on a U.S. postage stamp, the first African-American woman to be so honored. A three-day blizzard killed 100 people in New England and New York. For the first time, proceedings of the United States Senate were broadcast on radio. China lifted its ban on the works of Aristotle, Shakespeare, and Dickens. Escaped serial killer Ted Bundy was recaptured in Pensacola, Florida. Leon Spinks defeated Muhammad Ali in 15 rounds to win the heavyweight boxing title. Bobby Allison won the 20th Daytona 500. At the 4th People's Choice Awards, Winners included John Wayne and Barbara Streisand for movies and James Garner and Mary Tyler Moore for TV. Winners at the 20th Grammy Awards ceremony were Hotel California, Fleetwood Mac, and Debbie Boone. On the music charts, the highest debuting song in the top 40 the week of February 18, 1978 was Can't Smile Without You by Barry Manilow at number 34. The top 10 songs that week were, at number 10, How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. Number 9 was Baby Come Back by Player. Randy Newman was at number 8 with Short People. Chic and Dance, Dance, Dance was in at number 7. Samantha Sang had the number 6 song with Emotion. Sometimes When We Touch by Dan Hill was the number 5 song. Queen's We Are the Champions was number 4. Billy Joel was at number three with Just the Way You Are. 
At number two, Andy Gibb and Love is Thicker Than Water. And the number one song the week of February 18, 1978, when Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers made their first appearance in the top 40, was Stayin' Alive by the Bee Gees from the motion picture Saturday Night Fever. Each of those 10 songs, by the way, spent a minimum of 20 weeks in the Hot 100. Following on that theme, at number 12 was a song, I Go Crazy, by Paul Davis, which would spend a total of 40 weeks in the Hot 100. That song spent nine weeks on the charts before it got into the top 40. It finally made it into the top 10 in its 28th week on the charts. It would spend five weeks in the top 10 out of the 25 weeks it spent in the top 40. I'm Joe Williams, now back to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. In 1999, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers participated in America, a tribute to heroes, the benefit concert held in the aftermath of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Petty and the band played I Won't Back Down. On November 29, 2002, they played three songs at the Concert for George, a tribute to George Harrison on the one-year anniversary of his death. What an all-star lineup this was. It included Harrison's Beatle bandmates Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, plus Billy Preston, Eric Clapton, Jeff Lynne, Ravi Shankar, and others including Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, who performed the songs Taxman and I Need You, both Harrison-penned Beatle songs, and the Traveling Wilburys hit Handle With Care. Referring back to the Randy Lewis article in the LA Times I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Lewis described Petty as having been seated beneath a framed illustration of George Harrison during their interview. In 2005, Tom Petty again went multimedia and began hosting his own show called Buried Treasure on satellite radio. That led to the creation of the Tom Petty Radio Channel on Sirius XM in November 2015. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers performed at the halftime show during Super Bowl XLII in 2008. They performed American Girl, I Won't Back Down, Free Fallen, and Running Down a Dream. And I'd be remiss not to mention that the 13th studio album by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Hypnotic Eye, became their first album ever to top the charts upon its release in the summer of 2014. In February 2017, just a couple of nights before the Grammy Awards, Tom Petty was honored as the 2017 Music Hairs Person of the Year. As noted on the Grammy's website, a three-time Grammy winner, Petty is being honored in recognition of his significant creative accomplishments, his career-long interest in defending artist rights, and the charitable work he has undertaken throughout his career, which is notably focused on the homeless population in Los Angeles. Petty has been inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame and in 2001 to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was nominated for 18 Grammy Awards, winning three, for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal for 1989, for Traveling Wilburys Volume 1, Best Male Rock Vocal Performance for 1995 for You Don't Know How It Feels, and Best Long Form Music Video for 2008 for the documentary Running Down a Dream. The final song performed by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at their final concert on September 25, 2017, was American Girl, a selection from their very first album 41 years earlier. 
Over the course of his long career, Tom developed a deep and loyal collection of fans who hung on his every song. The impact was deep, and the hurt from Tom Petty's death was real. As Lisa of Bedford, Virginia said, I've never met Tom Petty, but he has been one of my best friends for the last 35 years. Many of Petty's fans currently share memories in the form of stories and photos and videos on a specially created Facebook page, Tom Petty Forever. You may want to take a look. As Tom Petty's friend Bruce Springsteen told Rolling Stone, it's sad that he's gone, but it was nice to be alive in his lifetime. Good songs stay written. Good records stay made. They are always filled with the promise and hope and life essence of their creator. Tom made a lot of great music, enough to carry people forward. I hope you enjoyed our special Memory and Top 40 music episode dedicated to the memory and Top 40 chart history of the late Tom Petty. If you're a new listener and are wondering why you didn't hear any Tom Petty songs during the show, it's all because of copyright laws and licensing, which keeps music off of podcasts. Did you hear anything in this episode that brought back your own special Tom Petty memory? If so, please share it. Send me a note to memory at spokenjoe.com or leave a comment on our Facebook page. And please like us on Facebook. Episodes of Memory and Top 40 Music are available on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are released. And please join us next time when I look at the top 10 for the week of May 6th, 1957, when one of Rock's pioneers made his top 10 debut, Chuck Berry. And I want you to know I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to Memory in Top 40 Music. I'm Joe Williams.